Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Soulful Connections with Sam Black. Here, you will find opportunities for healing, renewal, and insightful conversation. Sam is an international psychic medium, trainer, and wellness coach, and is your answer for filling the soul. Good morning and welcome to Soulful Connections. I'm your host, Sam Black, and I cannot wait to share this chilly morning with my good friend, Shirley Felder. You guys are going to absolutely love her. So I'm so glad to have all of you joining me today. Thank you so much for your patience last week when my mic was not behaving. We have everything ready to go for a great show this morning. So let me tell you about Shirley. Shirley is amazing. I totally adore her. Um, She's the visionary of ordinary greatness, and she has the most extraordinary gift for taking what some people might consider to be garbage and turning it into treasure. Those who know her and love her know that Shirley is not just talking trash. She is heart wisdom and has the amazing ability to capture stories in the beautiful people that she meets around the world. And she will be with us today to share all about her soulful ways of living and the lessons she's learned, finding signs and insight everywhere she goes. Shirley, welcome so much to Soulful Connections. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm more honored than you. You know I love you to pieces. <laughs> well, it's just a big love fest for everybody. <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, we well, sometimes forget that's what we were put here for, to give and receive love, right? Absolutely. That's what it all comes down to is that love. I'm so grateful to have you here. So, Shirley, you have Ordinary Greatness as your brand. Can you tell everybody what is Ordinary Greatness? All right. So, Ordinary Greatness, I came up with the name because, uh, you know, I wanted I wanted to be able to – one time I went to a, um, a network marketing event, and a speaker who I thought I had nothing in common with had my arms folded, everything else. He started to speak, and my arms unfolded, and I was looking around like everybody was looking at me because I felt like he was talking to me, for me, about me. And what I, what I derived from that is that I wanted to have that, that ability – to be able to say something and turn the lights on for people. And so I always want to be a motivational speaker, but you know, there's so many out there and there's so many, you know, there's so much, there's so much life story people are sharing that how can I set myself aside? And the thing is we always strive, we think, and we've been taught that we need to be the best, do the best, have it all, big is better. And so, you know, everybody's shooting for exceptional, extraordinary things. But we're all very ordinary, and we have to go in and do that soul work to make our inner selves extraordinary. 
So I wanted to, you know, find a, a, a nice little catchy name because it's kind of an, an oxymoron, ordinary and great, right, from what we're told. But it's really not. It's the real McCoy. We're ordinary people who have been given great gifts and abilities. But because we were, were taught so much negativity and that change is bad and adversity is bad, we just get that, that Debbie Downer syndrome and it's, oh, you know, doom and gloom. And so it's quite it's quite the opposite for me. It took a little while. And yes, I had my doom and gloom days. You better believe it. But at the same time, I know that deep down inside God or your universe or whoever your higher power is did not create junk. We do when we don't use those given gifts and talents. So that's where ordinary greatness came from. Oh, I love it. Every time I hear you explain it, it gets better and better. And I just totally resonate with it. And I'd love to point out that whole piece around you know, we are extremely extraordinary and special, and yet we're all very ordinary and the same. And it reminds you, of course, of miracles where they say, you know, you are special and you're not special. <laughs> you know, that whole idea. And that's not a direct quote, of course, but it's that whole idea around, you know, we are capable of such extraordinary things, and those things shine even brighter when we're behaving as though we're connected as opposed to better than everyone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what are some of the fun projects you're working on right now? Because, Shirley, you're always busy with lots of stuff. So, so 2019, I am going to re-immerse myself into the community. For like a year and a half, I kind of backed away from the community, and I said, okay, I'm going to go out because sometimes you have to go out to bring in. Again, I'm going to talk a lot about something that's very important, I believe, to all of us, reprogramming and deprogramming. <laughs> so, Absolutely. So sometimes within your community, you may not feel welcomed or appreciated. And it might be. It could be some of our own you know, self-talk or stinking thinking. But the, the work that I did was being received on the outside more so than the inside. And I believe... Um, part of it comes from like my little slogan that says she's not just talking trash. I owned a garbage company for a garbage and recycling company for 23 years. And I'm not ashamed to talk about it or anything else because for 24 years, I employed over 150 men, took 10 women from welfare to work and did over $65 million worth of gross revenue. So it's not, I don't say it to brag. I say it to give myself the credit that I'm due for it. And people who aren't in business, they don't understand the trials and tribulations you go through. So people tend to talk outside of what they know. And that's where I took my little trash talk from because people just know me from the garbage company. But I'm so much more than that. And so yes, I you are. my skills and abilities internationally and out of the area. And a friend of mine told me, and I, I, I say this, I remind myself every time I say I'm going here to do something. She said, blossom where you were planted, bloom where you were planted. And so Absolutely. I, was, and I was like, wow, okay, that's kind of deep for me. But you know what? My community is hurting like many other communities. Uh, we have opiate addiction. It's everywhere. But we are talking about a community of 70,000 people and someone is dying almost every month. That's horrible. And there's no housing here for the mentally ill. And I've had that experience recently with my little brother 
you know, he's been battling this since he turned 19. You know, we found out he was bipolar and had some issues that we didn't know when he was younger. We just thought that he was just a rebellious little brat who knew how to manipulate people. And that wasn't the case. He had voices. He had issues. And so now that he's a, an adult and we watch him battle things, you know, we, I've taken a more active role in his life. And so uh, Eli or Daniel, Daniel is his real name, but we call him Eli. Um, we're, go- we're working on a project of starting to do videos, video interviews with him as he is going through the rehabilitation um, of his mental disability that he has had and being able to explain it to people who are watching their family members struggle or possibly almost kill themselves or die because they don't know how to express themselves and the family members don't know how to give them love or give them space or give them support. And it's not a new issue, but it's an issue that has hit me now, so it's clear and present. And when things confront me, I know that my life isn't special, and it just doesn't happen to me. That's old ways of thinking, that's thinking, thinking. And so if I'm going through it, then I'm going to share it with someone else because my other dream in this life is to just be able to just drop epiphanies on people and let them do with it what they will. Mm, I love that. So that's one project that Daniel and I are going to be working on. And, you know, everyone needs like some benchmarks and goals to set so they accomplish these things or else we'll just let life's issues get in the way. So for Daniel, we are now, uh, he has now moved into a a group home setting. So that's really good because he had to work hard to get there. So he had over 120 days clean to get there. And that's the first time he's been clean since he was in high school, if you can believe that because he was self-medicating then. And we just thought, again, he was just being a rebellious kid who wanted to smoke weed and do other things. And he was just trying to heal his mind. So um, now he's in this group home and we're going to do interviews and things. But his goal um, that I've, that he and I have set together is that we're going to write a book and we're going to, we're going to travel this world together and help families heal and share what mental illness feels like from his part and share what it feels like from my part, being an outsider, not knowing what's going on in his brain. So right now, every time he calls me or we talk about a problem, I say, just envision this, close your eyes, and you're sitting on top of a mountain reading your book to people who need to hear it. And he's like, all right, Cheryl, I'm back on track today. So, so that's one thing that I'm super excited about, super, super excited. Um, the next thing I love that is, so much. Yeah. The next thing is April 13th. Of course, you will be there too, and many of my other um, many of my other tribe members that I that I choose to travel with. Um, this will be, I think, our 23rd annual women's conference at the Sullivan County Community College in Lock Sheldrake, New York. It's an all-day event, and uh, starts about 8:30. You register, get get a little breakfast snack, and then you have two classes to choose from throughout the day: one in the morning and one after lunch. Um, and it's a day for women to take for themselves. Some women might want to come and, and take a class on pairing cheese with wine. Some might want to come and take my class um, that I might be doing. I'm going to be doing two. One's going to be on networking and network marketing. Because, again, for those people who just know me from the garbage company, um, I have been a professional network marketer for Oh, gosh, Jazz and I talked about it the other day, almost 30 years off and on. And um, 
a lot of people say, oh, you know, it's a, it's a scheme, it's a pyramid scheme, it's this, it's that. But I can give true testament that it works if you work it. It's not going to work itself, and it is not easy. Um, however, the person I am today, I can attribute to my network marketing experience and background. Because when you can stand tall inside yourself and still say, I'm worthy to have, I am good enough, and I am, and I will, while people are saying, no, you're crazy, they got you, all this stuff, because of their own inner fears, they, they, they put it onto you, and if you don't work on yourself daily with personal development and motivational stuff and getting yourself around groups of people, you will lose it and you won't make it. So I'm going to give them a few little <clears throat> tips on how networking Everyday life, communicating with people, getting around the people you want to um, learn from and hear from, how you do that. And then we're going to talk about the five secrets of network marketing and the key to making that money. Because let's face it, it's not all about money, but there's very little you can do without it. So I'm going to be doing a class. Yeah, I'm going to be doing a class on that. And then the other class I'm going to be doing is uh, finding your purpose statement. You know, we all wonder, what in the world am I here for? This person over there is doing that, and that person over there has that, and we start that comparison factor, and all of these things, and we forget that we were created to to be pretty damn great, but because we're cluttered, and we've been programmed, and we need to deprogram and reprogram, we forget that. So we're going to do a series of questions and a little bit of fun interaction with each other. And we're going to stand up and be proud at the end of that class session and give our purpose statement. And the uh, theme of this year is retooling your life. So women are going to come there. They're going to choose from cooking classes, your spiritual classes. Um, Another friend of mine, Deborah, is going to be doing financial literacy Um, and uh, we're going to be doing, there's exercise stuff, there's different things for everyone, arts and crafts, you name it, but it's a day for women to come and do them, because we forget who we are, and you meet amazing women. Yeah, and it's such an inspiring day, it really is. Yeah, and we have vendor space, and anybody who wants to travel, just connect with me, if I don't have room in my house, then we'll have, we have nearby hotels, um, in Liberty and Monticello and Rock Hill. Um, they're not the Taj Mahal, but you don't need to be. You'll be hanging out with me most of the time if you travel anyway. I'm the hostess with the mostest, and I love to cook for you. <laughs> yes, you do. Your cooking is so inspiring. Um, anybody who follows Shirley on Facebook, you can see she posts all these these photos of you know, pictures, and it, it just pretty much feels like a creation, almost as though they're not planned. You just feel what they want to become and you you help them get there just like you do with your clients it's fantastic it goes it goes back to you know my theory that if things are just ordinary it's just an ordinary carrot an ordinary onion right in that in that refrigerator saying I've been in here a couple of weeks what are you going to do with me don't throw me away right <laughs> so I go into my refrigerator most of the time and I'm like all right what, what am I going to do today and also cooking for me is a stress reliever even though you see lots of food I don't eat it all I, I feed a lot of people intentionally I just make it and I'm like all right who am I feeding today I call a brother an ex-boyfriend it doesn't matter I'm feeding you or my kid you know 
But it, that's really what life is about also, you know, just putting things together and making them work. I don't look at my refrigerator and say, oh, my God, I've got no food. I keep food. Now, how can I pair things? And I love, I say that I make love to the palate because I like flavors and taste just the way I like my life. Spicy, a mixture of people and a mixture of talents around me. And a mix, I like a negative person every now and then. I won't say negative, but I like a naysayer because they keep my pencil sharp, you know. And, and that's the way it is. So I don't eat red onions, but I cook with them, right? Because I like a little bit of what it gives. I just won't eat it. I'll pull it out after the flavor. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, I love when we set up these rituals that can really help us move from that space. So one of the things happening today in Canada, I don't know if it's reached to you in the States or not, but um, our major telecommunication company here, um, they do this, you know, bell talk day once a year. So your Facebook gets cluttered with spam. And the idea is that they supposedly donate some money to mental health. Personally, I don't participate in it. I just would much rather take my dollars directly to the source, but that's just me. Um, but the big idea is that people are sharing their stories around mental health. And one of the things that I really like to promote is having your own toolkit for when you're having those moments where you're not feeling optimal, that you can find resources right at your fingertips to help you get through, whether that's through coping or just helping you smile a little bit in a time that's dark. And so I love that you use cooking as a stress strategy. And certainly I can remember when I was first living on my own, I left home at 15. It just wasn't a good atmosphere for me. And I was the mom of the group. I think I didn't realize it then, but looking back now and I would have anything from five to 15 teenagers show up at my door at dinner time. And I would, make stuff out of nothing. I was a young, young girl living on my own. I had my daughter at 17 and my ex-husband was there, my practice husband. I learned that term. I kind of like it better than ex-husband. And uh, so, so they would all be there. And, you know, even after um, I became single again, quite young, still 19, he still came for dinner almost every night. And I would make these beautiful meals out of what would seem like nothing but so much love went into them. And for me, it very much was the same thing. Surely it was a coping strategy because it made me feel good to make some beautiful meal out of what looked like nothing, out of a very low-income grocery bill, <laughs> and, and then be able to share that with the people that I cared about and make their day a little better, too. So I absolutely love when you do that. What are some of the other strategies that you share with people if you know, they're going through a difficult time and they just want to feel better. So one of, one of the things that I talk a lot about is, you know, questions to ask yourself. Sometimes, um, and you can speak to this, you know, afterwards, I think a whole lot better than I, but we have intuition and instinct. And for some dead blasted reason, we don't trust it. We don't trust ourselves. But we are the person who has gotten us to this stage, wherever we're at. If we're 15, if we're 30, if we're 50, if we're 100. We did the work on us or with us or for us. And so we have instinct and intuition, and we don't tap into it. Again, deprogramming, because all we see on TV, you know, are certain things. 
all we learn from our teachers are certain things. All we learn from our spiritual leaders are certain things. But sometimes when, when things are contradictory for you or they're giving you, they're pushing your buttons, that means something. That doesn't mean go freak out. That means you sit with yourself. And, you know, talking to yourself is good. Just don't give yourself all the answers <laughs> aloud. <laughs> and then say, you know, why, why is this happening? Not, sit, not give yourself the answer. Well, this is happening because I'm ugly or I'm not smart or I don't fit in. We're quick to do that stinking thinking. So the mm-hmm. first thing you do is sit and breathe. And I didn't, I didn't know much about breathing until about four years ago. I bumped into it accidentally. <laughs> and, and so you sit and you just breathe in. And, and most of us don't know how to breathe, which screws up our thinking because <laughs> we're out of oxygen up there. You know, we're not breathing in and filling up our belly. Most of us breathe in and suck it in and then breathe out and push out. And that's not how it goes. So we breathe in and we fill up our, cab- our, our stomach cavity, right? And then when we breathe out, we breathe out slow and you pull your stomach muscles in. And when you learn how to do that, that just calms you right down. And as you can tell, I'm hyper, so I breathe a lot now. (laughs) I know how to calm myself down because I get so excited because I have so many little secrets and trinkets that so many beautiful people have taught me and shared with me throughout this little 52 years of life that I've had. And and I can't wait to, to tell all my friends and especially my sisters about it. So the breathing is the first thing that we need to learn how to do. The next thing is get quiet. Now, get quiet doesn't mean you don't breathe and you be shallow. Just means, you know, just get quiet and try to be present with yourself. Because whenever I used to do that before four years ago, I was bringing everybody in the room, trouble, pain in the butt, bills, you know, (laughs) all those people were coming in the room with me. And I couldn't think myself to the next step. So you have to teach yourself how to think to the next step because all you need to do is take action. And action is just one next step, not 50. Remember, bigger, more isn't always better. The squeaky wheel always gets the oil. So it's one step at a time. So today I'm frustrated. This happened, that happened. Okay, breathe. Shirley said breathe. I'm breathing, I'm breathing, I'm calm. All right, get out of the room. Get, get out of the room, you know, tax collector. Get out of the room, children. You're in school. Leave me alone, right? And then you say to yourself, what does this mean? What, you know, what, what is, does this mean? And your intuition and your instinct is just cooking away up there. Listen to it. And if you need to write down the thoughts and make sense of it later, that's fine. But when it comes to you, deal with it. Deal with it. So then you're saying, okay, I got this. This makes sense. Oh, yeah. And then you get the epiphanies yourself. But you have to absolutely. Learn how to yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love those strategies. Very similar to what I share with my friends, clients, and loved ones too. And uh, I love your stinking thinking, Shirley. I'm going to use that now when I'm talking about the ego because that's really what it is. You know, our ego's there for us, and sometimes it's necessary. However, it really is a huge roadblock when we're trying to listen to our higher self and get the direct download from the divine that we're needing to help us get through things. So I really love how you mentioned that because that's really what it is. It's all stinking thinking. I love that. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another another coping skill is um, dealing with the shit, right? So when, mm-hmm. when we feel like we just had poop smacked in our face, don't just take it and walk away and say, oh, you know, another load of poop on my face. No, 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 no. If someone has said something to you, now remember, there's a place and time for everything. And it's not about being angry. It's about being able to address things so that they don't fester in us because especially as women we're so quick we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings but it's okay for our feelings to be hurt we don't want to take up too much time of someone because you know our time means nothing but their time means everything right so when someone disrespects us or addresses us improperly or says hurtful things again think why did that bother me is that something that is showing me a reflection of myself is that something that has happened before and it hurts? First, find, you know, talk to your intuition and instinct. Let, let the messages come to you. And then you say to this person, you know what? I really like those shoes. I'm just giving an example. I really like those shoes. And I'm okay with saying nice things to people, but I'm not okay with insulting people. And I wanted you to know what you said just insulted me. It won't change how I treat you, but I wanted you to know that we all have feelings, and when we leave each other, we have to deal with our family, our children, you know, whatever settings we go into, and I don't want to take your anger or ugliness with me. So I'm going to give it back to you, and I'm going to wish you a good day and walk off. I'm quick to say that, and guess what? I got that off my chest. I nicely told them with respect how I feel, and I don't have to carry that luggage around with me because speaking your mind isn't confrontational. And, and I can say this, you know, uh, I hope this doesn't offend people because, you know, racial things really do offend some people. But if you haven't lived my life, you don't know what I experienced and you can't judge it and say, oh, that's not what happened. So being a woman of color, African-American, Puerto Rican, I'm extremely passionate. So you can't see my expressions today, but you can hear, you know, my voice go in and out. So I'm a, an extremely expressive, sassy mama, period, amen. And so because I speak like that doesn't mean I'm angry. So because I told someone how I felt, I wasn't some angry black woman. I was a woman who was insulted, and I speak passionately, but I speak my mind. And so those are other things that we need to learn how to be because, remember, women were taught to be quiet, get behind the man. Now, of course, we're going back in time. We've progressed immensely as women, but we still have lots of work to do. But it's about deprogramming. There's certain things that we were taught not to do, and we do them today. But when we do them, we have such inner conflict because it goes against the grain. And getting things off your chest when it happens is important. But don't speak out of anger. Breathe. Think about it. Go to the ladies' room. Come back and say, boop, tap on the shoulder. How are you? You know what? Those are just some fly shoes you have on. I wanted to share something with you today. Speak your mind, say it respectfully, and wish them a good day. Absolutely. I love that. And, you know, we do need to sometimes talk about issues such as race and gender and and what's happening in the world because if we're not talking about it, we're ignoring it, and that's just not acceptable. So I, I love when you bring it up because you're bringing it up from a place of love. And um, I love those strategies as well, because it really helps. I know I was speaking with some of my students the other day, 
and um, talking about, you know, when conflict arises, especially when we're online, because I think almost all of us have experienced a time when we've either read a text or an email and we've taken it out of tone. And the one thing that I shared with them is before we can respond, if we're triggered by something, it's because there's something there for us to learn. So Mm -hmm. first, if you can take that breath, just like you had mentioned, Shirley, and second, do a self-check-in. Am I hungry right now? Am I overtired? Am I really upset because, you know, the dog got mud on my clean floor? What's really happening? And if you can step back and go, no, you know, I really just am triggered because, A, I have something to learn there. I'm seeing myself in this person. Or, B, it was just really inappropriate. And it's important to deal with things when they happen because what happens is people step away and it's not actually going anywhere. It's just getting compiled over and over and over again. And what happens is then, you know, perhaps they didn't return a phone call or perhaps something else that compiles onto that original concern. You're not upset because they didn't return your phone call. You're really upset because of that initial idea, statement, action, whatever that was. So I love your strategies for just dealing with it in the moment in a respectful way because confrontation doesn't have to be mean or ugly. It can just be sharing, this is how I'm feeling. You know, we don't make that that error in our communication again, right? You know, it doesn't have to be a big dramatic thing. And sadly, because women have been silenced for so long, things compile for so long generationally. And then it doesn't come out as they intended. And then that whole guilt thing sets in for women, mostly for men too, but I find a lot of women with that. Then they feel guilty for having said something because it wasn't said the way they intended. And it just snowballs. And if we can just come back to that space of love, loving ourselves first, which allows us to have even more love to share with others, we can really grow together and build each other. And that, at the end of the day, that's the essence of it, is really building and growing together. True, true. You know, um, I'm going to, if you don't mind, I'm going to tap in. I know that most of our audience is uh, women, but I'm going to tap into something that's very, very important to me as I have been bestowed with nine brothers. And <laughs> most of do. my life. Most of my life, I've been an athlete, so you can't look at me today and tell. (laughs) Thank you, Jasmine. Um, And I've employed, you know, over 150 men. So most of my life has been surrounded by men. And I, I have to say that we have to address our men a little differently as well, because there's a lot of deprogramming that women have to do when it comes to them as well. Uh, I know many of them we'd like to strangle. They don't do proper paperwork. They don't <laughs> They don't uh, <laughs> express themselves or give us all the details until shit's about to hit the fan, right? Um, they just left that part out. But here's, here's what the, the bar has been raised so high for men. And I'm not, I'm not you know, giving them an out, but I'm, I'm sharing insight that I have with men. You know, the bar is raised. They need to be breadwinners. They need to have brains. They need to have brawn. They need to be sexy. They can't cry. All of they can't express themselves because that's what we see on TV. That's what they were taught. 
in their religious sectors. That's what they're taught in school. You're a man. You know, all this, this machismo stuff. But they're human, and we have all the same body parts. We just, you know, just we have one extra, you know. <laughs> and, and so they take from what's down below, and we put it up top. That's all. We just mix and match, right? And, and so we have to remember that the world has changed. Just like technology changes every day, the world changes. Our emotions change. What happens in our life and what we're confronted with change. And technology has made things, you know, happen so fast. And information is at your hands now, speed of light. So with all that being said, we can't have all ways of thinking. You know, uh, I'm, I'm single and I'm on dating sites. And it breaks my heart. Because I always think of my brothers first. So it breaks my heart to see that they don't know how to communicate, that they're afraid mm-hmm. to communicate, that they're so, there's more lonely and broken men out there than women, if you can believe that. And that's because they have been fighting to their own battles. And we forget it because our battles are, our battles are so degrading, you know. Women are, have been less forever. So we've had to fight for our rights, right? And they've had to fight for the right to be part of us, emotional, <laughs> to be okay to express themselves. So we don't think about those things. And, and those are things that we have to start incorporating, you know, when we meet men and we come across them or we're raising our young men. You know, sit them down. Talk to them about the same things you would talk to your daughters. They'll feel a little funny about it, but I can tell you right now, you could take my four boys and you can sit them down and you can cover any, any topic you want from sex to dating to basketball to why people act this way to why people eat this way to what countries do what. My boys and music-wise also, they wanted to listen to that crazy rap music. I hate it because to me it's negativity and it's a dream world that doesn't exist. I understand it's creativity but create something else. So my compromise was I couldn't let them not be cool in school, right, and not know this stuff. So my compromise was you had to learn a Sam Cooke song. You had to learn um, – you had to listen to a Beethoven song in, in my car. You had to learn Dean Martin. You know, you had to learn all these other entertainers. Frank Sinatra, my boys can sing to you. You know, I have a beautiful story about my little brother Daniel. He, when he had his first um, episode – and he didn't know where he was and certain things. And unfortunately, they incarcerated him because they didn't understand that it was a mental situation, that he wasn't violent or hurt anyone. He was just confused. Inside the jail, while they were waiting you know, to process him, um, accentuate the positive, eliminate the uh, negative came on. And he went from this guy who was like, let me out of here. Ugh. Hey, I know that song. And he started popping his fingers and singing it, right? And the people were like, is that six foot four teddy bear over there singing that song? Beauty of those types of things. You never know what you're being exposed to, how it will help you later in life. And that helped calm him down and it helped them treat him like a decent human being and not like some criminal. Yeah, absolutely. So, and you know, so- I love that you've brought this up, Shirley, because, you know, having a social work background and having worked with so many men. You know, I really can say there are not experiences for them as women, believe it or not. So I can't tell you how many men I worked with that had suffered from sexual abuse or mental health and were self-medicating because they weren't able to access resources. 
And really, some had been laughed at when they did try to receive help. We need to remember that we are all people, just as Shirley mentioned, and and everyone needs to be treated with kindness because, you know, that deprogramming around what does masculinity look like, whether it's, you know, from men trying to heal from from abuse that, you know, society says, how can that happen? How could that little woman there to abuse this big guy? It happens. It happens more often than we'd like to think. And they, we as women, we can go to each other. I don't know that men yet, I think they will, but I don't know that they yet are able to go around these issues um, and share them. And, you know, the same as issues that maybe not quite as serious. Men have been taught to be the breadwinners, as you mentioned, Shirley. And, and for so many men, that's not the case in their home. The women are bringing in more money than the men. And, and whether it's a conscious or an unconscious belief, it does creep up for people. I've seen it in my life. I've seen that with my clients and friends. And, you know, there's a lot of issues. So I love that you bring that up because it's not just, you know, pro-women. Although, you know, I love my sisters dearly. It's also Absolutely. about supporting everyone. We're all in this journey together. And the more we can support each other and build each other and operate from that space of love, the more people will be able to trust their intuition and live the life they're meant to live and speak their truth. So thank you for raising those issues. Definitely. It's important. So important. It is important. Yeah, absolutely. So for you, Shirley, you know, we've, we've kind of talked about some of the strategies and stuff and, and limiting beliefs. What can, can you think of one limiting belief that you've really kicked to the curb over the last couple of years? <laughs> oh, this is going to be a good one. Well, so, so for, those, for those who have followed me or those who have heard me speak before, um, there's a word to me, there's a word that is extremely important to me. And of course, when people hear it or see it, immediately they go to their programmed brain mm-hmm. and think one way about it. But I used to be about 135 pounds and about 2% body fat. And I used to be this extreme athlete, right? And then I had my daughter and then my body never returned. It went somewhere else, and then other people started putting parts of their body on my body, right? You know, other things like Susie Q's and Devil Dogs. But anyway, <laughs> so so to me, the word sexy is something that I had to get comfortable with. Now, sexy to me used to be someone thin and beautiful and, and bouncy, you know, and like when they walked in the room, everybody just collaborated and said, oh, they were beautiful. So sexy was associated with beauty and class to me, right? And so my limiting belief used to be that I wasn't beautiful or sexy, even when I was 135 pounds. I never in my life thought that. And as a woman, we have every right to feel that because that's part of the reason we were created. That's why Adam was a bad boy, right? And Absolutely. So, and so sexy is a limiting, was a, used to be a limiting belief for me because I didn't believe that I was sexy or worthy of certain things because I wasn't sexy or beautiful. And four years ago, I did some self-healing work. I 
peeled back that banana skin and I went in too surely. And I realized that the first thing that we as women need to deprogram, throw in the trash. I, I don't recycle everything. But this thinking, thinking about what beautiful is and sexy is um, limited me for so many years because I thought I didn't fit in or belong in certain groups because of it. And so I have worked to understand that sexy has nothing, nothing to do with how you look. It's it how doesn't. you feel. It's an attitude. And Absolutely. when I threw out those limiting beliefs that I wasn't worthy, I wasn't good enough, I wasn't beautiful, I wasn't sexy, I wasn't attractive, I wasn't smart enough. And I decided that I am and I will and I am worthy of it all because I understand my gift is to be the voice for those until they find their own and to share my story and the story of the beautiful women and people who have come in front of me who, or who have allowed me the honor of sharing their lives with me. My walk was different. My talk was different. But I was still 244 pounds with a whole bunch of rolls everywhere. Nothing physically changed. My mind changed. And so sexy was a limiting belief for me. And sexy, I now know, has nothing to do with how you look. Looking hot, that's one thing. But sexy is in the mind. So the other day, I put up a picture. And I said, you know, I caught myself feeling sexy today. It was because I was in a room of 17 women celebrating a woman's 65th birthday. And they were all amazing professional women who were ordinary when you looked at them on the outside. But when they opened their mouth to speak, I was honored to be in their presence and to call them now my friends. So sexy is in the mind, and that is a limiting belief that keeps women from moving to the next level because they don't feel they fit into a mold or into this box that no one should be in. So that's one of my biggest Absolutely. worries. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting you mentioned, like, looking back, even, even in that moment when you were at your prime physical fitness, and ideally, you know, with mainstream thinking, that's when you should have, and I say that with quotes, felt your sexiest, you still didn't see it. And I can tell you how many women I've worked with, whether they have eating disorders, whether they've just lost themselves, you know, they've been busy raising families or working the job they thought they should work after school, and lost themselves, they don't remember who they are. And they look back to old pictures, myself included. I can remember one picture in particular. I looked back and I remember that day. I remember that negative self-talk. I remember how I did not feel sexy at all. I had just had my daughter three weeks earlier it was her, at her baptism. And uh, I was not feeling sexy at all. And it was at that time, this might be a little personal, but it was at that time that, you know, I was physically ready to start having sex again but I didn't feel sexy. So I avoided it because of how I thought I looked. And now I look back to that picture at the exception of the size, because I know what I was thinking at the time. I looked really good. You know, I did, <laughs> but I wasn't able to see that. And it's so interesting because 
you know, I've carried that through. So in my teen years, I did have an eating disorder and um, it didn't matter how thin I got. I still thought I was the biggest girl in the room and it shifted as I got older. I took that Depo-Provera needle and gained a lot of weight really, really quick. I think it was 60 pounds in two months and I just never lost it. And how many times I thought, oh, you don't look very good. You're not, I wasn't in any pictures. So when I was in that accident, uh, almost six years ago now, mm-hmm. afterwards, I was thinking to myself, if I die today, my kids will not remember me. All because I thought I looked fat. And I can't tell you, I'm in so many pictures now. I might be the one taking them because I taught my family to not take my picture. That was the other limiting belief for me. I thought, oh, they don't think I'm important, so they're not taking my picture. No, that's not true. That's a load of crap. I taught them, don't take my picture. With every time I said to them, oh, I look like crap, don't take my picture. Or every time I said, oh, oops it up, oops it up only. You know, all those times. I had all these rules in place. That wasn't my family and friends doing. That was my doing. So that reprogramming around, you know, I'm beautiful because the light inside me is full of and I'm enjoying this moment. Um, So I'm just teaching them that it's okay now to take my picture because I'll take it. I don't care if I have makeup on. I don't care anything. It's all about that light inside that matters. But as women and men, how many times have we done that? Said, no, don't take my picture or, oh, my goodness, and gotten all self-critical, we're all gorgeous and sexy. So I love your work. When you talk about that, Shirley, I find it so inspiring. And, you know, you're my little voice. Whenever that old limiting belief crap creeps up for me, I'm like, Mm-mm, I'm sexy today. <laughs> and, you know, I go about my day. But that's one of the beautiful gifts you have to offer. So I love that you shared that limiting belief because you've inspired so many. I know personally, I've had women tell me how you've inspired them. So I love that you raised that one up. You know, you bring up the part about pictures, right? Mm-hmm. So for a while, people would give send me private messages like, wow, you really do love yourself. Uh, you're not vain at all, are you? Like they send me, they're supposed to be my friends. And they send me these little private messages, um, you know, towards that on Facebook. And so to the people who are my clients or my close friends, um, they've been given a task by me. And that is to take one picture smiling and one picture blowing a kiss to yourself and that camera every day, every day. Give yourself love every day. When I wake up in the morning, I walk past my mirror on the way to the potty, and I look back, I tilt my head back and say, damn, your sexy hair everywhere, looking crazy, I don't care. Because if I don't believe it, who else will believe it? And if I don't change my mindset as soon as I get up in the, in the day, in the morning, and say that this is my life and it's going to go my way, then I'm, I'm giving other people the power to shift my day in which the way they want it to be. And so my mother passed away when she was 39 years old. I was 12. And that is 40 years ago today. And there mm. is one picture with me and her in it. One picture. Who wouldn't have a million pictures with this cute little face? But there are no pictures because she didn't feel pretty or worthy. So we only have found two pictures, one that's cracked and broken of her in her Eastern Star uniform and another one with my little cousin on her on her way out of her favorite place, the liquor store. And there is not one with me and my mother. 
but there are a million with me and my father. Well, who was behind the camera taking those pictures? My mother. So, uh, again, an example of a woman who felt, who didn't feel worthy or pretty or beautiful or worthy of even having those memories. So I take pictures daily. I'm the selfie queen, you know, wherever we go. I can get up to almost 40 people in a picture without using a selfie stick. I'm good with it. And that's yes, because you are. <laughs> I make history on my LinkedIn, my Facebook, you know, any social media that I'm on, um, Instagram, for my babies. I'm not looking to impress anyone. If someone is impressed by me, I thank you. I thank you for your 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 love and appreciation and encouragement to me. But my work is for those who find it useful. My work is for my children to give to set the bar for them, my children and their children, so that they know that they come from something worthy and that they are worthy. And so I am so grateful for the internet. I know it's a double-edged sword, but my children don't have to comb through old cracked up pictures and books. They can click on here and go to Facebook, even if they don't have a Facebook, and get a picture of their grandma, or their mother, or their aunt, or their cousin. And I'm happy with that because someone has to decide at some point that we are worth living for and life is worth living. And it's all about changing your attitude and knowing that things succeed. And that's important. It very much is important. And, you know, that's what it really comes down to, you know, making, making a big impact. We hope we inspire people along the way. Most importantly, we hope we inspire our children and our loved ones to remember that we were just that ordinary person that put them first, that loved them first, and inspired others. And, you know, it's, it's really incredible to see the movement. I know, you know, people joke about selfies and stuff, but I love them because when I see someone post them, that in itself tells a story about them. You know, um, one of my friends, she, she posted a Facebook memory the other day, and she had taken a picture because she was having a good hair day. She thought she looked beautiful. So I'm giving her a shout out right now because you are beautiful. And um, five minutes later, she had a heart attack. And she's using that picture again to share with people around, you know, I thought I was doing this just because I was having a good hair day. And really now she's able to take that message and say, you know, you can go from that to that in five minutes. And, Thank God she's doing well, really, really well. She hasn't got any long-term implications from that heart attack, but what a wake-up moment. And we have these moments throughout our lives all the time. And, you know, for me, I've had many of them. Probably the most significant was being in that accident. But it's just a moment in time. It was a way of recorrecting my course, and it brought me to where I am today. So I'm grateful for it. So Shirley, for you, what would you say is maybe your most significant moment that did a recorrection for you? Well, I think, I think technically, even though I say four years ago, I found myself 10 years ago, my granddaughter was born. And that changed my life immensely because there's also the power of recreation. 
the power that I took part in that because of me, there is this. And it's not about ego. It's about, oh, my God, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I've been given the power to do this, you know. And, and so when my granddaughter, <laughs> Jess told me she was pregnant, I wanted to kill her. She told me via text, <laughs> chicken. But once that baby came here, I realized my work was not done. And my business was so successful. And, you know, I was on every newspaper and every interview, you know, the trash queen, this, that, the other. Whoopie-doo. Whose life was I leaving an impression on? How was I changing the world or making it any better by breathing in it? And what was I setting up for the future? So, you know, as most of us as women know, we have lots of issues with our daughters because it's just normal. It's inbred. We just, they think we know nothing and we've never experienced what they know. And we think, you know, they're not expressing themselves or they're putting themselves in the bad position. And as parents, sometimes we just got to let them go so hard, but you got to let them drag their knuckles so that they can either come into themselves or come back into us for the help. But when my granddaughter was born, no matter what my issues were with my daughter or what I thought about her life or her lifestyle or her opinions, they no longer mattered. That baby mattered. And my work that I did really changed course. And that's when I said, I need to be a speaker. I need to share these stories. She, she can't meet my mother, so she'll never know her great-grandmother. But she's going to know that she, what she went through as a woman so that when she becomes a woman, she understands that these things Some things are inherited, right? Some things are genetic and some things are programmed. But between the work that her mother does and the work that I do and the work of the beautiful people like you and all the other friends that I incorporate and I keep myself around, that she is meant for greatness. And that, so that changed my life, seeing my granddaughter. That changed my life forever because I never even wanted to be a mom. You know, and Jasmine was like, Ma, did you really have to say that? But Jasmine was an accident, but she was the best accident in my life. She changed my life. I was drinking too much, hanging out too much, had no purpose in life, dropped out of college, just worked like crazy. And then, boom, I was told I could never have kids. And, you know, voila, she's 31, but she's the only and one that I was wonderful. Yeah, she was the only one that I was allowed and given the honor and ability to bring into this world. So I did what I could with her. And now my job are my grandchildren. And I have my grandson, of course, who I tell her all the time that he's mine because when he smiles, he looks like me. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, I think my grandchildren are, are what did it for me because I was ready to say, you know, I've arrived. You know, I'm, my life is great. And my life hadn't even begun yet. Mm, I love that. I love that. And, you know, your grandson is adorable. Your granddaughter is inspirational. I love them so much. You know that. Um, and... For those of you listening, Shirley's amazing daughter, Jasmine, will be on the show later in February. So stay tuned for that. But, you know, Shirley, I heard the coolest thing. Actually, I think I saw it on Facebook a few weeks ago. That as grandmothers, we actually pull in the birth of our grandchildren because the eggs are already in our daughters at the time of birth and conception. So those babies are there from the time that our babies are little babies. And that's just science and biology, but on a spiritual level, that was the coolest thing ever because I know awesome. <clears throat> Rowan. Rowan just turned two in December. Um, and 
Bentley is adorable. So I'm, I'm blessed with two grandchildren as well. But Miss Rowan, it's so fun. She looks more like me than any of my children do. And it's just such a big blessing to have time with them and realize that, you know, we did what we could as parents and we continue that. That set the stage that our babies can do have even bigger and better experiences than what we had. And uh, I just feel so honored. Every time I see them, I just think, wow, I'm like the luckiest lady in the whole world. And it's so wonderful to have that experience and share it with others. And, um, you know, wherever we can share love, that's what it is. And I think that's why we have that blessing of grandparents, because we can move from basic needs, that safety zone of the root chakra, move right up to that heart chakra and just express love, because that's all we have to do with them is love them. And it's a beautiful gift. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's hard to believe, but our time is actually coming to an end. I could talk to you all day and in (laughs) April I'll get to, so I can't wait. Um, But we've also got some other news for our listeners. Shirley and I are going to be together at Lilydale on August the 28th. And we're going to be talking about purpose through signs and symbols. Um, and helping you realize the signs and symbols in your life. And I'm so excited to do that with you, Shirley, at Lilydale in Lilydale, New York. And we're so much fun there. Registration will actually be coming up soon. So y'all can keep an eye out on the Lilydale website and it'll pop up there very soon. I, I know I've got messages that it's being worked on and I can't wait to see it. Um, and I will be with Shirley at the SUNY Sullivan Women's Conference, uh, April, what's the date again, Shirley? April, April 13th. Yeah. Saturday. Oh. Yes, the Saturday. It's all day. It is an amazing event. Not only do you get the workshops and guest speakers, there's a beautiful lunch where you can meet all these different women from all over, hear their stories, and make new friends. There's vendors there. Um, you have complimented my hand of God necklace that I wear a lot. I got it there from one of those vendors. Um, But it is a wonderful day of bringing women together and celebrating women. So I'm so honored to be there and doing two workshops as well, all about spirituality and intuition. And also if intuition is something you're interested in, I do have two workshops coming up, one in Sudbury, Ontario, The other one here in Niagara Falls, I have my intuition intensive weekend where we're learning all about intuition on the Saturday, mediumship on the Sunday. And I leave from there to start heading west. I will be in Los Angeles in March. I'll be in Regina in March and I'll be all over. So if you are looking to connect, let me know. And if if those spots will align, then I'm happy to um, connect with you there during my travels. So, Shirley, how can everybody reach you? I know they're going to be so inspired when they hear a little bit about you, and they're going to want to learn so much more. So what is the best way for our listeners to connect with you directly? So to connect with me directly, you can call me at 845-642-8506. You can email me at sc. F like Frank, RR at AOL.com. Um, you know, that's my old email. I'm sorry. Ordinary and great at gmail.com. 
<laughs> I have to deprogram myself. <laughs> and my uh, website is shirleyfelder.com, S-H-I-R-L-E-Y, F as in Frank, E-L-D-E-R.com. And I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. On Instagram, I'm Big Mama Cheryl because I'm in the kitchen. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And for those that would like to connect with me, you can always on Facebook, Sam Black Psychic Medium or Sam Black Coaching Solutions, whichever you're looking for on my website, www.samblack.ca. And if you've enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, share the show with others. Let's share that love and light and raise and build each other up. I'm sending you all so much love and I can't wait to connect with you soon. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.